0: Words that suggest a vastness that's beyond our attempts to make sense of or to define. We spoke about that, which is beyond. This is that. This is and that. Here and there. Me and you. This and that. Before and after. So I'd just like to in the talk touch a little bit on what the Buddha called suchness from the Pali word ta vastness isness just like thisness and the relationship of suchness to this movement of opposites and that which is beyond measuring reminded me when we were speaking in the questioning of a beautiful line famous line by the Sufi poet Rumi he said there is a field beyond, out beyond ideas of right and wrong I'll meet you there beautiful and expressing that which is free of this and that and the constant struggle and tension that opposites exist in the one always being dependent on the other so I'd like to begin with a a kind of Zen story you know the way in which for those of you familiar these Zen stories often suggest some kind of (coughs) knotty dualistic problem and then (coughs) The wise Zen master at some point says some uh, profound thing that cuts through, that points beyond. So this is kind of one of those sort of stories but it's slightly different in as much as the, uh, the Zen master in question is my six year old son. So a couple of months ago I was in the car with my children and my daughter was reading a book and she asked me, Papa what's we live in France, which is why she calls me Papa. Papa, what, what's optimism? What's optimism? So I, And my son was there, but he was uninterested, looking out the window. So I started to explain to my daughter, and I used this analogy of the cup that is... has half... half the volume of the cup has liquid in it. So I said, if we had a ju- uh, cup of juice and the juice is to the halfway point some people, some people would say the cup is half full so we're looking on the side you see that it, it's half full that would be optimism you're looking on the side of the positive side and I said some people I so started to explain the other side to her, some of them might say oh it's half empty and that's called pessimism when you're looking on the dark side or the negative side so in this way I explained to my daughter optimism and pessimism. And then at the end of this conversation my son started to get interested and he said, Papa, what are you talking about? So I, th- I was just about to explain and I thought, ah, here's an opportunity to see if by nature he's an optimist or a pessimist. So I said, oh, well, Naran, if I gave you a cup of juice and... I didn't want to use the word half full or half empty I was trying to give a neutral perspective to see what he would come up I said, if I give you a cup and there was juice in the cup to the halfway point what would you say? And He said, thank you <laughs> and I said, oh Sadhu but We so easily get into a kind of tangled, knotty relationship by looking at our life and seeing how full is it or how empty, how good, how bad, how much, how little more and less what we want or what we don't want and Buddha says just thank you that sense of being able to receive life in a way that's not tangled up in measurement in judgment in how much am I getting how much should I be getting but is able to receive receive a cup of juice in its suchness it was quite beautiful, even a kind of simple example, but it was quite beautiful to see a very innocent response of just the idea of appreciating the sense of being given a cup of juice rather than a much more complicated relationship to it. And just that example, I think, we can, we can find in our lives very, very much. Certainly just if we look at the, the so-called uh, state of the world and the way that's often coloured in positive or negative terms. Whether the human situation is uh, getting better or getting worse. Whether the quality of life is getting better or getting worse It really depends where we look Certainly if you listen to the news We're convinced of uh, some sort of terrible downward spiral I just had to take a taxi to get here just from Newton Abbott to here Just 15 minutes But the news was on I was thoroughly depressed by the time I arrived kind of extraordinary catalogue of deceit disaster death destruction misery 15 minutes full does that tell us what's going on in the world does that tell us the state of the world it's certainly the, the uh, image that's put across in the kind of grave voices of the newscaster and the dramatic nu- music that introduces the news. And it's not to take away from some of the tragedy or uh, uh, difficulty of the situations that are reported in the news. But it would be a terrible thing to mistake that for being the way things are. Only a couple of hours earlier, I'd uh, seen a very beautiful scene at the airport with two uh, old women, who were probably in their 80s, I should think, who didn't know each other, but both were on the same flight as me, and neither could walk, so they were unaccompanied and in wheelchairs, and uh, there was a kind of... uh, Know what's the word, an orderly or sky cap or something, I think, the guy who's charged basically to look after these two uh, old women and uh, make sure they get on the flight and are comfortable. And he had just a very beautiful manner with these two old women. And first, by getting them to support each other, they were frail and they were a little nervous and they didn't have their families with them and he had them in their two wheelchairs, the airline wheelchairs and he got them to hold hands, the two of them in the, in the middle and then he pushed both chairs at once kind of down the corridors like this towards the aeroplane and they were, they were kind of saying, oh, to themselves they were both English women, he was French and he just, he leaned down as he pushed them off he leaned down to them and he looked at, between them and he said no problem. <laughs> So that's, that's what's going on in the world as well just in that moment it really depends where we look for what picture we get and yet what very easily happens because of the way the mind works is we take the momentary impression for being the whole story We hear a news broadcast and we say, oh, the world's like this. Things are terrible. What does that mean, things are terrible? It means that we've taken some momentary impression it might be the report of a death or a war or some uh, tragedy or difficulty that's going on in life it impacts in a way that's unpleasant or painful or brings <clears throat> forth our sympathy or our concern or whatever it might be and rather than meet the thusness of that to actually allow that, the poignancy of that contact to touch us which might bring forth, as I say, concern or whatever it might be we just kind of, the mind steams in and lays its trip on the experience Puts its label on it's awful, and because we're not paying attention very well, we just kind of take that 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 phrase "it's awful" becomes this great solid thing that seems to describe the world. So it's really worth us asking ourselves: in what ways do I, do I do that? Might be the state of the world. It could equally be state of one's being do I take some momentary experience and say that's the way things are I would suggest that we do that tragically much much too often That in fact we live our lives out very often in the Blind belief in the mind's descriptions, in the mind's solid ideas about how things are, about how I am, about how others are. We may have come on the retreat uh, with some sincere aspiration uh, that may be around ideas of better be a better person, to understand ourselves better to be more peaceful more wise to get some more understanding of course it's a sincere aspiration and one of those uh, kind of motivating forces it's a sense there's something authentic that's on offer here maybe and a real wish to kind of um, delve into that to explore that to give oneself to that and there's nothing wrong with the language of more and less of better and worse of half full and half empty it's just kind of a useful form to talk about things but when we take that language to be the absolute truth of things we get into trouble We come here to say, I want to understand more I want to be a better person, a kinder person Okay, But so easily The way we're actually filtering or interpreting that internally Is that we're putting the more out there In the future And therefore That reflects the present has to be less More and less Can only exist together so I want to be more, therefore I'm less and then we have this difficult relationship of seeing ourselves as less whatever less kind than we'd like to be less wise than we'd like to be less enlightened than we'd like to be we have more, which hopefully we've located in some sort of hopeful way at the end of the retreat and then we've got this distance between useless now and a bit better later on which we're hoping to cross during the course of the retreat how are we going to bridge that gap do we really believe that that gap gets bridged completely in time we have this strange idea in as human beings in kind of a perfection or a limit that will be reached in in all spheres of life even in the material sphere have the idea that more and more and more if I had a bit more of this and a bit more of that eventually I'd have enough but nobody ever seems to have enough I think if I just had this then I'd really be happy but then I'd just get this and Straight away, if I just had that More and more If I was just more If I could just sit for a longer time More sitting Then I'd really understand well If I just had less distracting thoughts then I could really meditate. Constant measuring in terms of the more and less, better and worse. But where does that more end? This idea is kind of like a sort of the new age concept of uh, self help or self improvement or a kind of gradual um, more and more good qualities less and less of these uh, dreadful qualities that I find myself with at the moment and then at some uh, unknown point down the road bingo all the right spiritual qualities all the uh, nasty ones are gone and there's some kind of fulfilment and we've located that fulfilment in time and it's at the end of more, 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 more enough the quest for perfection in that way is absolutely futile that kind of perfection just does not exist for human beings it couldn't do imperfection is absolutely built in in the human condition the, the, the clear proof of that is that we're basically all hurtling towards death at an unknown rate body is decaying moment by moment and we're kind of struggling for more, more, more but at some point it's all over so it would seem if, I, if, we, if we have the idea in any sphere of our life more in our maybe financial life or relationship life or spiritual life, anything if, if we're working along that sense of more more and hoping that at some point down the trajectory of more will hit enough or perfect it's going to be a rocky ride so what would be another way of looking at spiritual life, a spiritual practice one that's not Trapped into a, a difficult relationship between better and worse, more and less. This pro, this this process of measurement underlies so much of uh, the way we perceive the way we talk to ourselves the way we describe ourselves the way we describe others it's 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 quite painful in fact when we start to recognize how much i'm living out of a contracted fearful state of trying to establish how much how much have I got it? How much has someone else got it? How much more do I need to get it? And we can see that maybe just here in the, in the, in the short time we've been here on this retreat. How much that measurement there may have been about our own so-called progress, about where we are in the pecking order of the retreat. The guy over there, he seems to shuffle a lot. Uh, I'm doing a bit better than him but that one in front of me sits so still I'll never be able to be like that because we don't know what's going on we're all walking around with the same kind of blank expression on our face simply walking simply washing the dishes simply eating, simply sitting we all look pretty much the same but the mind fills in all the gaps about this one's like this, this one's like that. Based on what? Based on what? Some moment, again, in some momentary impression, somebody shuffles, oh, useless yogi. Somebody sits still, oh, nearly Buddha. And the worst, the one we treat the worst out of all of that is ourselves often. Like this classic example that I, I, uh, I talk about a lot. Uh, we're sitting there feeling frustrated or bored, irritable or restless or just hopeless. We Again, it's a momentary thing. Momentary, for, some, uh, for this moment, I'm restless, I can't really connect <clears throat> with the meditation. The momentary impression, the thought comes in, this is hopeless, and then the belief is right behind it. Oh, well that's the way it is then. Just because of the thought, the thought says, this is hopeless. It's just a momentary bubble in the mind. This is hopeless. And we're straight into making that cast in stone. Oh, I should give up. I'm never going to manage. We open our eyes. Everyone around us is Perfect posture, still, straight. I think I'm the worst one here. Everybody else seems to have got it. Everybody else is obviously deeply intimate with their breathing and me, useless. And so it's kind of uh, exasperation. we kind of just give up and close our eyes because we can't think of anything else to do so we just close the eyes again and Then the person next to us opens their eyes looks around oh, everyone else has really got it I'm the worst one here why can't I get it closes their eyes and the next one I know because I'm sitting at the front, so I can see what <laughs> <laughs> I'm Terrible kind of contracted, painful states that we get into, that seem so real, that seem so solid, that seem so enduring, based on a momentary impression. is it that we we've managed to be so hard on ourselves it's quite it's quite painful that sense of oh I'm I'm, I'm useless in whatever the language might be or, or I can't do this or um, oh, I just haven't got any concentration or I wish my legs didn't hurt whatever it might be if we heard anybody else say to us Oh, I just can't do this. Well, what would be our response? Most probably there'd be a reaching out of some care and concern for that person. We'd want to encourage them. Or we'd, or we'd at least just kind of sit and hear their pain, hear their difficulty. Hear how unpleasant it must be for them, how frustrating for them to sit there with that sense of, oh, I can't do this. I'm really having a hard time this is really difficult for me maybe I should give up maybe this is a waste of time whatever it might be but when it's ourselves that come up with that sentiment how often we really cruelly harshly treat ourselves we might give ourselves berate ourselves for having bothered to come in the first place or for having come but not really applying ourselves properly or for just having a kind of uh, lousy, sloppy mind that doesn't seem to get into any kind of a meditative shape so it really, just to recognise in what, in what way am I treating myself when there's this kind of measurement First is the momentary impression might be restlessness then there's the the mind that comes in with its usual babble in this case it says "You crap or whatever and then the that gets set in stone with the belief and then we tend to heap problem on problem telling ourselves a story of how bad we are or, and, or maybe why we're so useless we can dredge up all kinds of excuses from the past maybe it's someone else's fault probably poor old parents we can go into our whole history our psychology all the reasons The momentary impression has become a great kind of weighty tangle that tell that and we tell ourselves this is how it is I'm like this we look at the cup of juice some say it's half empty some say half full but Buddha says thank you and we look at ourselves. We might be tempted to say better than another or worse than another. Might be tempted to say worse than I could be. Might be tempted to measure in, in that kind of way, better or worse, more or less. But Buddha says thus like this. Dharma teachings, this practice, point us back to this momentary expression. To really pay attention to these momentary impressions so as to see them clearly, to understand what's happening. So that we don't add all that extra stuff which becomes so entangling, so weighty, so painful. a lot of that building up that adding on of stuff happens through our relationship to time what uh, the Buddhist tradition calls the three fields of time past, present and future that's where our thought has its kind of uh, picnics it roams around freely. The mind wanders around, skips about in the three fields of time like a kind of uh, unconstrained idiot. And we've never thought to do anything about it. He's just kind of skipped around, dragging us behind through past, present and future for years and years and years. And then we start to meditate and we wonder, oh, why will the mind not stay still? But he's been never given any encouragement, any training, any kind of gentle discipline. It's just been allowed to run riot for years, here and there. Any time the mind wants to go to the past, it skips off to the past, and we just blindly uh, go off with it. Wallowing in some kind of pathetic nostal- nostalgia. Or... So when we go to the past, it's in two ways usually. Either nostalgia is that p- positive, kind of pleasant, oh, oh, remembering some event that's absolutely disappeared and gone forever. And we say, oh, well, there's no harm in some nice memory. Okay? But what's happening, if we're honest, is that the mind is just strengthening its kind of uh, useless idiotness to run around freely past, pleasant and future and and we're doing nothing about it uh, lost in nostalgia or the mind coloured more negatively or unpleasantly goes to the past and then it's regret should have might have shouldn't have whatever it might be and then we uh, get into this endless kind of uh, replay mode only oh, if only I'd oh ah, and we go over and over and over the same boring old story from the past, in the strange hope that by replaying the past endlessly, it might be some kind of uh, preparation for next time. Bit of a forlorn hope. And there we are. We go back to that conversation we had where we felt awkward or stupid and in the great benefit of hindsight we think of all those witty things we could have said all those wise things we could have said all those uh, cool things we could have said but we've missed the chance it's gone so it's useless reverie we're so busy thinking oh yes I should have done, could have done, might have done and then this uncontrolled mind lost in the past, not paying attention to the present, somebody comes to us and says something, oh, and then we respond uselessly, because we were too busy in the past trying to imagine if we replay the past so much, maybe it'll be some preparation for the future. We're not around to be present, to clearly connect with the person that comes to us in the present. So we say some fumbled remark again, then they go off, and then we've got a new past. Work on Oh I should have said this, I should have said that. This this is our life. This is the tragic comedy of the sloppy self, dragging wallowing in the mud of the past. Well, mine goes to the future fantasy kind of uh, easily seduced by fantasy and retreat because it's so boring sitting, walking same thing for breakfast every day and so in those moments where there's a kind of withdrawal of sensitivity from the extraordinary vibrancy of the living moment sensitivity is withdrawn we don't feel the wonder of bodily sensation sitting on the floor the poignant immediacy of a single in-breath no, we're thinking about oh, some other marvellous imagined future with someone else in somewhere else doing something else and then we've kind of got this kind of soft focus picture in mind of whatever our particular fantasy might be in that moment food fantasy, sex fantasy uh, tropical island fantasy, whatever your particular brand is all of the above maybe at once And then we compare that to, oh dear, this miserable existence we're living now. And of course we feel disappointment, frustration, irritation, restlessness. A sense of urgency to get this over so we can go and live out the fantasy life, as if it could possibly happen like that. And again, very quickly, fantasy stimulates so much of more, less, better, worse. This, that, here and there, before and after. Being fooled by the illusion of time has an enormous impact on us being completely bound up in the world of opposites. Although we go to the future in the uh, more negatively characterised way Worry Fear What if this happens? What if that happens? Again, a a kind of unreal situation The mind moves to the future Again, there's some momentary impression maybe we hear a tree creak in the wind just a momentary impression but we don't recognise there's a momentary impression, we've got this sloppy mind that goes racing off to the future we don't notice that it's just, oh, mind racing off to the future if there's enough awareness to re- to recognise oh, creaking tree no problem but ok, maybe there's not enough awareness so from the creaking tree, sense of the thought arises what if the tree fell on the meditation hall? It's just a, again it's just a bubble in the mind what if the tree fell on the meditation hall? It's, tree creaks mind thinks no problem anywhere tree does its tree thing creak creak mind does its mind thing think think in this case the thought called what if the tree falls on the meditation hall if there's enough awareness At this point, no problem, we just notice, oh, thought about. But if there's not awareness, (laughs) fear. If there's awareness at this point, and the good news here is that any point is good enough. It doesn't matter how far down the kind of uh, tangle we go. The Buddha called this Papancha. Papancha means building up, building up, one thing on another. No matter how far we down we go, if at some point there's some clarity of recognition, there's some awareness, then the whole building up falls apart. We just see through it. So tree creaks. If there's awareness, no problem. Tree creak. Mind thinks, what if the tree fell falls? If there's awareness, no problem if not, fear comes in what if? then we go building up, building up racing off to the future until we've got images of the meditation hall smashed, the wind blowing through the yogis in bandages maybe uh, not quite an example that's come to you yet maybe when the wind gets stronger tomorrow but we see the way in which and there, therefore we quickly into the world of worse, worst case scenario in this case. This is okay, caught sitting in the meditation hall with the roof intact, but we imagine something that wouldn't be okay. And then we have this, the relationship again across the gap between what is and what might be, and what, that which moves across the gap is fear. In that case, and then we've got the present. We say, Oh, well, with the present, there shouldn't be too many problems because we're endlessly hearing in meditation about the present being present, the present moment. But our relationship to the present can be equally contracted or difficult if we're not careful. How easily the present moment, our connection with what's happening right now becomes corrupted by interpretation diagnosis explanation, labelling we're asked to just sit here quietly, breathing in and out and being conscious even that the mind, if we're not careful, the thought life tends to kind of hijack that process. We can start describing the breathing endlessly. We can start wondering about the breathing. We can start remembering the high school biology lessons, pictures of pink lungs and whatever it might be. Or well, some feeling is there. In the moment, there's the feeling of uh, expansiveness, peace, appreciation. Or there's just some momentary feeling of doubt or fear, whatever it might be. If there's awareness there, there's the opportunity to actually meet that feeling of fear or meet that feeling of appreciation. But how easily we steam in with our descriptions. Why did that happen? And uh, how did it happen? And what does it mean? And where's it going? <coughs> Are we going to be content to live in a world where we're driven around, dragged through the muddy fields of time by a kind of uncontrollable mind, where we're enslaved to ideas of better, worse, more and less? because when we believe in those ideas of more and less of course we want more or we want less depending on what the thing is but we immediately, we can't help but exist in a relationship of tension the wish to get more is one of tension it's one of saying if there's more that has to be gotten then where I am is not good enough And therefore, there's a whole momentum that's trying to propel us away from what is, away from what this is. So we say, I want to be more aware. Immediately, just that thought, I want to be more aware. if If we're locked into that, there's a whole bunch of other kind of information that comes along with that. And the main piece being, I'm not aware enough. Therefore, I need to do something about that. Therefore, I need to take steps to become more aware. Therefore, the more aware is being located somewhere else, and there's a whole journey to make to get there. These teachings and this practice is one of immediacy. That means nowhere to go, nothing to change, no more and no less. Nothing to reach out for, nothing to push away. no more we don't need to be more anything we don't need to be more aware only the idea of needing more is keeping us from a clear and expansive awareness only the idea that I need to be more aware is standing between us and full awareness so we're invited to give up looking for more and just to be right here with this this not this when I've stopped thinking so much not this when I'm more comfortable this, this feeling of discomfort maybe this feeling of wanting more See, can we really attend to this? And to attend to this means really to care for this. This meaning, this moment, this experience, this being, this expression. There's no awareness without... Caring An American teacher Stephen Levine Uses this beautiful phrase Merciful awareness Awareness Knowing Intimacy with Direct connection whatever we might want to call it can only be there when there's passionate interest and real care and connection and that could also seem like a good definition of love care and intimacy When we start to look very, very closely, we can't see any, definition, any difference between awareness and love. And that's very, very uh, useful for us to bear in mind as we practice. What does it mean to be aware of breathing? Care has to be there It means to love, to fully meet, to deeply care about, to connect with that which is expressing itself That's where this image that I used yesterday of the cradle of awareness comes from. That sense of holding our experience of being kind. To extend that kind, caring, interested attention to our own heart and mind, our own body, our own thoughts. So that there really is nothing we need to push away, nothing we need to change or force, nothing we need to deny or insist upon. And in that caring, In that merciful awareness, we find the space to make room for all our changing experiences, including thoughts of more and thoughts of less, thoughts of better and thoughts of worse, thoughts of half full, thoughts of half empty. but in the spaciousness and the stillness and the receptivity of that caring awareness there's just not enough energy for the real belief in those opposites to take hold and the seeming world of this and that more and less self and other here and there before and after can go along in its kind of convenient relative way but with the clear and awakened understanding that there is That all around which is immeasurable, ungraspable, that which effortlessly accommodates all opposites. So may our practice here be in the service of that kind of discovery May it awaken us to the mind that wants more and therefore make us contracted May it awaken us to that which needs neither more, nor less, nor both, nor neither. Neither here, nor there, nor in between. Thank you for listening.